We'll see. Ah, it's working. I was going to say, almost every time Pastor Doug's away and I get the chance to speak, this microphone gives us issues. So thanks, Jeremy. Hey, who's excited about spring break? A few people? (laughs) That sounded like a little bit of a party, but not quite what I expected. My name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I would love to have a chance to talk with you after the service or... Um, it's real easy to talk Doug or I into going out for coffee. We'll even pay for the coffee as long as you drink some good coffee with us. So we'd love to sit down and get the chance to know you a little bit better. Is there anybody here from out of town? A lot of people travel this time of year. No? Just my buddies? Okay, cool. I'll introduce them later. Hey, let's pray before we get started. Father God, I just want to thank you. Uh, that song put me, put us, I hope, God, in just the right place to just look at you and say you are great. To think about who you are and what you've done, God, and what you're doing and what you will do and go, you are great. And everything you do is great. Because of your goodness, God, everything you touch is good. In fact, you're the only thing good about us. (laughs) So we thank you for that, God. We praise you today and we do want to celebrate Palm Sunday. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, turn to somebody and say, happy Palm Sunday. Now turn to somebody else and say the same thing. Who here likes to party? I I see one. You can say it. We're we're not going down the road of what that party might look like. We're just saying who likes to party. Okay, so you're safe saying that today. I am convinced as a white Anglo-Saxon American male that my category may be one of the worst at partying. My demographic has forgotten how to party. I really think... That we in the U.S., we here on the West Coast especially, we're not all that great at celebrating. We don't do it very often, and when we do do it, we're very reserved most of the time. Or we go banana split crazy. So somewhere in between is where I want us to end up. But we're bad at celebrating. We forget to celebrate things. We forget to remember things. And a tough time comes along in life, and then we're like, oh, man, my life is over. And it does suck in the moment, like that moment sucks, it's bad, it's rough. But we forget so easily, right? Have you caught yourself forgetting amazing ways that God has been there for you in the past? We're not very good at remembering. And so because we're not very good at remembering, we often don't party enough, we don't celebrate enough the things that we're remembering. And that's what Palm Sunday, for us, is all about. It's about remembering Jesus coming in, riding the donkey. It's about seeing the Savior finally coming out and saying, I am the Savior, and then offering himself up for us. And that's something we're celebrating every year. And we make a big deal out of Easter, and I think that's awesome, because if Christ hadn't risen from the dead, then all this would be a joke, right? It would be this, these promises that, that never came to fruition. But what about the fact that on Palm Sunday, our Savior rode in on a donkey, offered himself up for us, And then spent the rest of that week heading towards the cross, I'm sure contemplating why he was doing that the entire time. That's the only thing that would have kept me going forward. That knowing I was obeying God is contemplating what I was doing it for. Because the idea of pain doesn't sound that great, right? I mean, most of us aren't into that. So have we forgotten how to celebrate? I want you to write that in your your little thing in the bulletin there. Make sure you grab that out. And if you have a pen, write that in there. 
have we forgotten how to celebrate? Because I think the church in general, especially the American church, and maybe even our specific church here too, Salem First Free Methodist Church, or as I like to refer to it, Salem First Free Meth, because that gets everybody's attention. (laughs) We don't celebrate enough. And so before we go much further today, we want to celebrate. Because I think we pass up a lot of opportunities to do that. And we miss out. Because what happens when you celebrate? What does celebrating do? Makes you feel good. Lifts your spirits. What else does it do? It brings people together, right? It gathers people. It unifies us. What else does it do? What else does celebration do? It creates a new memory based on often an old memory. So it keeps things fresh, which I think is sweet. Because God has done so much for you, hasn't he? He's done so much for me. So if he can keep things fresh in my mind by simply helping me to be a better celebrator, and remember, that's what we're about today. The key to celebration, if you want to write it in your next blank, is remembering. I put the answers up there if you can see really small. That's for the cheaters in the crowd, okay? You can get gold stars all the way through. So we're bad at celebrating, but the key to being better at celebrating is to remember better. And before we go on to anything more in the sermon, I want to just help us remember stuff even in our recent past. And Doug told you I was going to share a little bit with you um, that he was already planning on sharing. So I guess that's a good sign when when two of the pastors have the same idea at the same time. We must be doing something right. Um, Recently, we hosted four homeless families, uh, families with kids looking for a place to live here at the church for a week. You guys remember that? It's called Salem Interfaith Hospitality Network. So excited to be joining with them and so excited how well it went the first time around for us. We're already looking forward to June when we get to host again and how we're going to do an even greater job of loving on people then. But I want to share with you a letter that came to us this week from one of the families that stayed with us. It says, to whom it may concern, this letter is in regards to my family's stay at the First Free Methodist Church. The volunteers there at the church open their arms arms unconditionally to my children and I. They made us feel very welcome. They didn't make us feel like we were homeless. My children were always excited to go back to the church each day. As far as they were concerned, they didn't want to leave the church every morning. I personally have had very few experiences in my life where I have been accepted and cared about like that. It was very hard for me to leave that church on Sunday morning. And if you were part of the goodbyes, you can attest to that. I also appreciate that the volunteers and the way they interacted with my kids, the whole experience is something that my children and I will never forget. There are not enough words to say how we felt being with you. Sincerely, Hannah, Ethan, Dakota, and Vicki. And that's something that God did through you guys. So could you give each other a round of applause? Because that's celebration. When we do that, we're celebrating what God did, and we're also celebrating the fact that we were a part of that. How cool is it that God let us be a part of that? And it's not like we had any special magic to share with these people. You guys simply just loved on them, cared for them, donated things for them, made meals for them, treated them like they mattered, and it stuck. Another one of the families that stayed with us, Tosia and Jeremy, contacted me this week, and they want to get married, which is awesome, and they want to get married here at our church. And so they're planning on getting married here at our church in the chapel on Saturday, April 20th. And this is an amazing opportunity for us to continue in the lives of them. They've just received their housing, which is huge, 
God put that together. They're going to be moving into a place in independence very soon. And so God is just bringing things along. God provided our church as a place for them to be married. Our church is somebody who they felt was supportive enough to do that for them. He provided the housing for them. He's been providing work and income for them. So they just are, I was talking with them on the phone yesterday. They're just bonkers excited because God's doing so many nice things. So Saturday, April 20th, they're going to be getting married at noon in our chapel. And we have the opportunity not just to come to the wedding and help there to be more people there. Because she said, to see his exact words were, well, we only invited like 20 people. But the more, the merrier. So we can pack out that chapel for them, can't we? It's going to be a short wedding, but it's going to be a great time that we can bless them. And then they're having a potluck reception in the fireside room afterwards. And our church already is working on putting together a free cake for them, putting together photography and some other stuff for them. It's going to be awesome. We're going to put together a list also of all the different household items that they're looking for as they move into their new place in Independence. And I'll get that list out to all of us as soon as I get it from them. And I think it would just be amazing if between new stuff that we went out and bought or used stuff that we've got at home or whatever, that we could just, like, satisfy most of that list or maybe even more than that list. So when they go to move in, they're like, wow. Because I can tell you, those four families were deeply touched by your love. And TJ, the director of Salem Interfaith, has had so many good things to say. So congrats on that. That's something worth celebrating. There's some other things up here, too. I don't know if you can see those words. They're a little bit small. But we want to celebrate our Strengthening Families class. I don't know how many of you know that we've done that now for the second year in a row. We've done a class on Wednesday nights all about parenting and getting along with, with younger uh, children and youth in the home and working together and setting goals and having family meetings and having positivity in your family. And we just finished our second year at it, and it went really well. And so thanks to those of you who were involved, and we want to celebrate that God did that here. The, I don't know if you've had a chance to walk through the, the kids' elementary classrooms lately, but there's a whole bunch of improvements going on in there, new carpet, new paint, new all sorts of stuff going on. So that's something we want to celebrate because you guys have made that happen. Uh, we had our family movie nights. Did anybody go to one of the family movie nights? We've got some more coming up. Caleb did. I guess that's all that matters. Was it a good movie? The Lorax, good movie. So that's when we invite people in the community to just come into the gym and watch a movie up on the big screen and have some free snacks. It's a great thing that we do. The seniors are doing bags of love. Have you been involved with that before? Last year, they gathered stuff for 44 bags. This year, I don't know what the goal is, but it's... What do you think, Gene? How many bags are we looking at this year? Nice. So we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate the men who went on the men's... We call it men's advance because men don't retreat, but it was a men's retreat, and it was awesome. And the girls who just shared about Resolve, we want to thank you guys for that because you made it financially possible for them to attend. Men's steak night, this last men's steak night, they stuffed a whole bunch of Easter eggs for the Easter egg hunt. We want to celebrate that. But we're bad at remembering, and so some of the people that we forget to celebrate around here are people like the ushers that came forward to, to receive the offering or that stand at the doors, or that hand out bulletins, or the people that fold the bulletins and put the papers in them and all that kind of stuff, or the, the folks that are making coffee and breakfast in the morning for Sunday mornings. I mean, those are amazing blessings, and we forget to celebrate that. So we want to celebrate those people and their willingness to serve God. How about our unseen leaders at the church, our church board, our, our pastor's cabinet? These are people that are making decisions and, and seeking God's will and doing it on behalf of all of us, and we hardly ever even remember that we have them. But they're, they're shaping and forming and, and leading our church into tomorrow. 
So I celebrate that. How about the people that are doing childcare in the nursery and everything? Have you been in our nursery lately? It's packed with little kids. It's, it's wall-to-wall rugrats, man. It's crazy. And they do an amazing job. So I'm so thankful because they've needed a lot more help recently. There's a lot of them there, and they do some great work. And they already mentioned it in the announcements, but we have some stuff coming up. We've got the Easter egg hunt on Saturday. That's going to be huge for our community. We've got service projects on Saturday, April 20th. So I told you there's going to be that wedding. That's half of our... We're calling that Serve Saturday or Service Saturday or Saturday to Serve. Just remember Saturday serving. That's what we're doing. So there's two things you can get involved in. One is the wedding and the reception and everything that are going on here at noon in the chapel, which would be awesome. We'd love to have you be involved in any way you want. Call me up. Let me know how you want to contribute. But also, we're going to be doing a whole other kind of service outreach the same day where we're going to be helping with with putting together and, and preparing a park and garden area in the community. It's on Brown Road. Is that right? And so we're going to need all sorts of yard work and clearing stuff out. So if you can't find something to do between the yard work and prepping the new park and garden area and the wedding, I don't know what to do for you. If, the, if you can't find a service opportunity in those two areas, uh, I guess pray. Pray that those areas go well. So be involved in that Saturday, April 20th. How about we just take a second and, and just praise God and applaud for all the things that God has been doing in our church community. A lot. Come on, a lot. I think we need to celebrate more as individuals. I need to remember and celebrate the things that God does and be honest with myself and not be afraid to say, wow, God, I really feel like you've helped me to grow. And in those moments, be proud of that. Not like boasting on the internet, like I grew and I'm a lot like Jesus now, but being excited about the fact that God does stuff in my life. And I think we need to celebrate more in our families. And I think we need to celebrate more as a church too. Because whenever we celebrate and remember things God does, that just wafts that pleasing aroma of our thankfulness to God, right? And he loves to breathe that in. Do you like the smell of fresh baked bread or cookies, right? You smell it. You get that first whiff. You're like, then you want to smell more of it. Like you consume calories with that second breath. I I picture God doing that when we celebrate and remember what he's done. And when I think of like the Jews... And where we come from, and you, and you read the Bible, man, that culture knew how to celebrate and party. That culture had festivals and feasts that God put in place, and all of them were centered on remembering things that God had done, which propelled them to thinking God will continue to do. And they would party, and they would feast. Have you ever gone to a party or a wedding in a different culture, or a different nation, even? Have you ever been to like a quinceanera, or a, uh, a two or three day long wedding celebration. I mean, we're talking celebrating. Not an in and out American wedding where you, you, you feel better about it the faster the service got over. Because you just want to rush to the reception and then get out of there and go home. Because you're tired of wearing uncomfortable clothes. But we're talking a celebration where you don't want to leave. Or you're barely walking at the end of the night. You're so tired. It was such a great time of celebrating together. I want, to, I want us to celebrate God like that, you know? And when I think about how, how I celebrate or how people in my demographic celebrate, the best thing I could come up with is like going to a pro sports game. 
Because at a pro sports game, you'll see white big guys like myself paint our faces, rip off our shirts, dance around and yell, start the wave. Imagine if we did the wave in church. Wouldn't that be crazy? I think God could be honored by that. It'd be a little corny, but I think God could be honored by that. And so if I'm willing to celebrate in the stadium amongst thousands of fans who are complete strangers to me, why, why is it harder for me to remember and celebrate the best thing in my life, the best relationship in my life, the greatest thing going on in my life, God? That's what we want to talk about this morning. I want to bring up, hey, he doesn't know I was going to do this. Dallas, could you come up here for a second? My best friend in the world, my brother from another mother, Dallas Tom. Whoa, I don't need two microphones, do I? Uh, and his wife, Jess, and their kids are here visiting us for a couple days as they head out to the coast. And, sorry to put you on the spot, buddy. But today is his birthday. So you know where we're going with this, right? Because birthdays are this weird thing that we always celebrate as Americans, but it gets kind of ho-hum the, the longer you go in life. At least I'm learning that now, like, one more birthday, woo! And, which is kind of lame if you think about it. What's better to celebrate the, than the fact that we've been alive by the grace of God for one more year, right? And what's God going to do in this next year? And uh, so before I have him share a little bit of something, would you join me in singing happy birthday to Dallas? All right, let's go. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Dallas, happy birthday to you. Nicely done. See, now if nobody else sings it to you, at least it happens to you. Now, there's a, the real reason I brought him up here, other than to make him feel embarrassed, was his family does a really cool little tradition on Christmas, which I'm not going to have him share it with you because I think we all need to duplicate it. But I think a lot of times our celebrations become routine, and we go through the motions, and it's fun, but we don't fully embrace what it stands for. So one of the things that they do on Christmas, explain to us, Dallas, what, what does it look like in your family, what goes down at Christmas, when traditionally it's that person's turn to open gifts in most families, what goes down at, at your family's house? Pretty cool, right? Thanks, Dallas. Appreciate it. Dude. Here, brother. <laughs> he wore his good T-shirt this morning, too. I'm just telling you. Let's look back at the Palm Sunday, the original, the old school. There we go. From John chapter 12. If you want to grab a Bible, feel free to follow along, or if you can read the little words up there, go for it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus entered Bethany, where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. 
Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them. Mary came in with a jar of very expensive uh, aromatic oils and perfumes, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet, and then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oils filled the entire house. Judas, however, one of the disciples, was at the moment getting ready to betray him and said, Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It could have easily brought 300 silver pieces. That's a chunk of change. He said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the common funds, but he also embezzled them. Jesus said, let her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. Word got out among the Jews that he was back in town. The king was back. People came to take a look, not only at Jesus, but definitely at Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So the high priests plotted to kill Lazarus because so many of the Jews were going over and believing in Jesus on account of him. How bad would that have been if they had killed off Lazarus, right? You died, you're brought back to life, and then you're killed. That would be awful. So glad that didn't happen. The next day, the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast, big party, multi-day party, heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. So they broke off palm branches, and they went out to meet him, and they cheered, Hoshina, blessed is he who comes in the Lord's name. Yes, the king of Israel. Jesus got a young donkey and rode it, just as the scripture had said that he would. No fear, daughter of Zion, see how your king comes, riding on a donkey's colt. The disciples didn't notice the fulfillment of many scriptures at that time, and if the disciples didn't notice it, do you suppose other people did? Nope. Not very many, at least. Jesus was, but after Jesus was glorified, they remembered everything that happened this day. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead was there, giving eyewitness accounts, telling the story, remembering it, celebrating it. It was because they had spread the word of his latest God sign that the crowd swelled to a huge welcoming parade. The Pharisees took one look and threw up their hands. This has gotten out of control. The world's in a stampede to follow him which really sealed the deal. That's when it really clicked that they were going to get rid of this guy. That story, this Palm Sunday picture is packed with, with images. Packed. And when God, God doesn't waste words, and he certainly doesn't waste pictures. So these pictures he put in this Palm Sunday story, as Jesus enters, they mean something. What did he ride in on? A donkey, a car. Colt, okay? In the traditions of that area, if you'd ridden in on a horse, it would have meant that that king was coming ready to do battle. That, that king was riding in at the head of the army, ready to charge and take power. But also in that culture, a king riding into another kingdom on a donkey meant he was coming in peacefully. So that's an image that mattered, okay? And what were people laying out on the, on the road in front of him? Their cloaks, their coats, palm branches, all of that. That's what you would do to honor somebody muy importante, somebody really important. Okay, you didn't do that for your uncle. You didn't do that for a birthday. You did that when the king came to town. 
because you were showing them that you think they're so valuable to be honored that they shouldn't even have to touch the normal ground that we all touch and walk on. So people are laying out their coats and their palm branches, and they're waving palm branches. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Carson? No? All right. So palm branches, this is, to me, this is the biggest picture in the whole deal. There's a whole bunch of reasons palm branches were being waved in the air, okay? Let me read to you about that. The people also waved palm branches, a symbol that had once been placed on Jewish coins when the Jewish nation was free. Thus, the palm branches were not a symbol of peace and love, as we usually assume. They were probably a symbol of Jewish nationalism, an expression of the people's desire for political freedom from Rome. The palm branch was a symbol of triumph and victory in the Greco-Roman culture of the day, but to the Jews, it was a reminder of when they ruled themselves and had their own money, and on one side of the coin, it had a palm branch. So it's almost like when they're waving it, they're saying, we're sick of Rome. Get rid of them. But interestingly enough, also in that region, in the area of Egypt, the palm branch stood for everlasting life. So think about all these different images of the palm branch. To the Greco-Roman culture, the the ruling power of the day, the palm branch meant victory and triumph. To the Jews, it reminded them of their freedom governing themselves as a theocracy, in theory at least, God at the head of the government. And to the Egyptians in the same area, it meant everlasting life. Pretty amazing that all those images fit perfectly in this moment, right? There's no better plant to be waving in the air when Jesus comes in than that. Okay, and then they're shouting what? Hosanna or Hoshana, which I know Pastor Doug has explained what it means, right? What's it mean? Come, save us. Please save us. God, save us. It's also something that the zealots, those Jews that were most in favor of of a military uprising against Rome, people like Peter, who was quick to chop off an ear, if you remember, that was their battle cry. Hoshana, God, come save us, save us now. And they would, they would chant that in battle. They would chant that in uprisings against Rome. So the people are shouting that as, as Jesus comes riding in. You, can you picture all these images at play? His entrance was packed with images and pictures that we can learn from. But they, like we often do, most of the people miss the point. On your notes, I think it says Adventures in Missing the Point. That's a great book by Tony Campolo if you ever get a chance to look it up. Adventures in Missing the Point. There's two more images there that really drove it home, the point, but I don't think most people there understood or could see it in that moment. And truly, if I was there, I don't think I would have seen it either. So Jesus comes on that day. Do you know what else happens on the day that Jesus rode in? Do you know what would happen in that, that feast and party that they celebrate every year? This is the day you had to go and pick your lamb. This is the day you'd go and pick your lamb to celebrate Passover with, the lamb that would be your sacrifice. So Jesus rides in on the donkey. On the day that you would pick your Passover lamb, the substitutionary sacrifice for your life. How fitting is that, right? It's almost like Jesus is riding in, and it's, it's kind of like, hey, people, here's a lamb. Will you take it? Because it came on the day that you'd pick your lamb, that stood for you, that, that cleansed you. 
And then Jesus, later on in the procession, we don't know at what time, begins to weep, right? It tells us that in Scripture. He, he begins to cry. And I'm sure part of it is all the emotions of knowing what's about to happen. But another part of it, and we know this from Scripture as well, is he started to cry because he realized that the people there were missing the point to some extent. And because those people in the Jewish culture were so set on the fact that the Messiah was coming at that time to overthrow Rome and give them political freedom, that they didn't realize he was coming offering a much bigger, greater kind of freedom from sin and death. And he knew that when he had been crucified and glorified, that at some point the Jews would be so frustrated and tired of waiting for that political freedom that they would go up against Rome and that Roman response would then destroy the temple and that Jerusalem would fall and that his people, God's chosen people, would be truly sad and heartbroken and scattered. And so Jesus riding on the donkey is crying as he's going and it's kind of like he's thinking, man, they just, I wish they understood Because if they really grasped this now and and ran with me now, they wouldn't take it on themselves to fight against Rome militarily. They would see that there's something bigger going on. And there was something huge going on, right? He is the Passover lamb. So not only did they get to celebrate Passover that year, they had the opportunity to celebrate Passover, the Passover. The eternal forgiveness offered to man. Go to the next slide, if you would, please. There we go. A case of mistaken identity. Putting God in a box. Write that down. Putting God in a box is dangerous. What happened was, and for a lot of good reasons, I think most of us would have made the same mistakes. The Jewish people of that day, the God's chosen people of that day, really expected a different kind of Messiah than what showed up. And when Jesus came, they put him in a box. I'll accept him as Messiah as long as he does this thing that I thought he was going to be doing. I'll accept him as Lord just as long as he overthrows Rome. But when we find out that he's not really about that, and he's still got people following him, that's a problem. Okay? But in my life, I throw God in a box too, right? Up here on the slide, it says, I want a loving God. How many of us want a loving God? I do. Sign me up for that, right? But our loving God is also 100% just. And that's a little harder to deal with sometimes because he's 100% loving and 100% just at the same time, which means there are limits and there are things that aren't okay, and he is going to challenge us on those. So I want a loving God, but he's also just. I can't put him in the box where he's only loving because he's loving plus a whole lot more. I want a powerful God as the next one, But the truth is, I want to be able to tell God how to use that power and win. You ever made that mistake? We do that with our prayer a lot of times, kind of like rubbing a genie in a bottle. I'm speaking to you, Lord. Please do what I ask. Or we do like, I will give you if you do. Like God's going to make that kind of deal with me, right? I need a God who knows everything and has a plan. I want that. I I want a God that's bigger than me. I want a God that has entire wisdom and truth and knows everything and has a plan for my life, but I want to be able to tell him when I think things in that plan need to be edited, right? (laughs) How arrogant is that, that we do that to God? I know you have a plan for me, God, but wouldn't it be better if, whew, we missed the point. 
I will accept God's way and everything that he stands for and he teaches, except there's a couple things, God, that you teach that I'm just not entirely comfortable with because I really like to do blank or I don't want to give up blank. You, You follow me? How have you put God in a box before? Is there anybody brave enough to admit and just say before us one way that you've boxed God at times? Or you've, yeah, go for it. What's that? Smoking. Smoking? So how did you put God in a box? Okay. So he was calling you to quit and you were like, no, I want to edit that out of your plan. Okay. Who else? That was a brave man right there. How have you put God in a box? I guess you're the only one guilty of it, you and me, buddy. Oh, way over here, all right. (laughs) Yeah, that Moses thing, right? Where God says, please go and do this. Here's an opportunity. And you're like, I'm going to second guess you at least eight or nine times, Lord. Are you really saying this? 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 And then the opportunity goes away. Right, because we don't want to do it. How else do we put them in a box? Denying what God wants us to do? Ooh. Right? That's really uncomfortable when God asks you to do something brand new that you've never tried before that's kind of risky. That's a huge one. You guys hear that? Asking for forgiveness but struggling with forgiving other people. I think Jesus has a teaching about that, doesn't he? Something like, if you don't offer forgiveness, I won't forgive you. That one's scary to me, man. Next slide, please. We need bigger eyes, a bigger mind, and a bigger heart because God is huge. So if we're going to be able to enjoy him more and embrace him more and celebrate him more, we got to grow our brain, our heart, our eyes. And he's going to do it. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says this. I lost it. I'm going to read it off the screen. How about that? My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all of heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on his love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth, the the length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. And then next slide, I think we've got a little bit more of that. And what should our response to God's greatness be? Write down greatness there in the blank. What is our response to his greatness? I mean, this is obvious, right? God can do anything, Ephesians 3 tells us. God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request or ask for in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently working within us. Glory, all glory to God in the, in the church, in the highest. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Doesn't that sound like somebody celebrating and partying and embracing God's goodness? Let's go to the next slide. So in conclusion, here we go. Are you ready? This is the important part. You can throw everything else out now. We need to welcome and embrace him. 
And when you embrace something, you wrap your arms around. When I give Dallas a hug, it's way different than when I give uh, an acquaintance a hug. Know what I mean? Somebody that I've never hugged before. Like, I feel really safe with Dallas. Dallas, in fact, woke me up in my bed this morning. And I, like, there was somebody that came and wrapped their arm around me, and I turned, and Jen was much hairier than I remembered her. (laughs) That's how comfortable Dallas and I are together. So when I hug Dallas, I go in for the hug. And if you've ever hugged Jared Whitaker, one of the guys from our youth group, that's his kind of hugging. It's full body, soul hug. Okay? So when I embrace God's greatness, it's not just, whoa, you're great, thanks. It's like, and we need to let him define himself. Instead of me trying to tell God how he should be because of what I imagine God should be, I need to let God define himself in my life. If we can do that better, amazing things are going to happen. If we can step back and say, God, define yourself, show yourself, um, be yourself, because just who he is is a blessing to us. Then we can drink in and taste, taste, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Amen? Then we can drink in and taste how good he is. And when we've tasted how good God is, then we must remember and celebrate him with our day-to-day living. And when my day-to-day living is a celebration and remembrance of who God is, I'm just wafting that pleasing aroma of that fresh-baked bread right up to heaven, and God's going, I love it. Hebrews 13 says, there, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually be offering to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Continually offering to God a sacrifice of praise, a a celebration, a remembering, a party of how good he is and how great he is. Palm Sunday is this huge thing, man, where the, the Passover lamb, my Passover lamb showed up. My Messiah, my deliverer, my Lord, my King, my Savior rode in in peace and overthrew something much larger than Rome. He overthrew everything. He made peace between me and God. That's huge, huge. Would you read those top four lines with me and fill in the blanks there? The answers are on the bottom. So let's read it together. We need to welcome and embrace him. And we need to let him define himself. Then we can drink in and taste how good he is then we must remember and celebrate him. We have a lot of things we need to celebrate individually that God's doing and has done and will do. And we as a church need to be better at at drawing attention to what God does and celebrating it, drawing attention to God's servants within our church and celebrating them. I love something Caleb's been doing recently with the videos. You guys probably remember a video about making brownies and a video about sharpening pencils and a video about making cookies. And he's highlighting people that are pouring their time and energy and efforts and love into our after-school program in some, what we might think is small ways. But that's huge. That's huge. And I love that he's highlighting that. Hey, we are going to end our service today with what we call our time of Selah, which literally we've interpreted to mean think about it. And we're going to offer communion in just a second. 
And I believe there, if you need prayer, um, I'll be available. Pastor Doug will be available. We're available after church as well. Um, but I want to do this one just a tiny bit differently. If you have your sermon notes, even if you haven't been using them, use them now. Pull it out and flip it over. On the back, there's a little poem by uh, Teresa Sep- Seputis. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Okay? And it's probably Teresa. I don't know. I'm going to read this as the start of our sale of time. And I want you to read along with me. Because this poem struck me how it, it reads to me truly how I would picture God speaking the same words to each of us. And then I want to encourage you as we start our sale of time and as the music starts, if you've got a pen, and if you don't, you have to use your brain and be imaginative, write a response, something in response at the bottom of the page in that empty area. Write a response to those words as if God had just spoke them to us because he's about to. And then we're going to throw on some music, and it's not the normal kind of Selah music that we might have. It's not somber and, and reflective. It's more party music, which is going to be a little, you're going to feel a little strange having communion with party music going on. But, but communion is a celebration, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, we've made it this thing where you get a little cup and you get a little chunk But communion used to be often celebrated in the early church as a full meal, a feast. And and communion was a part of that. The Eucharist was part of that. And so not only did you have this moment of reflection and connection with God's sacrifice with Jesus, you also left feeling full as a reminder that God fills us. He is the bread of life, right? Okay, let's read this poem together. I'll read the poem. You read along with me quietly. I will exceed your expectations. God loves to do that. He loves to blow our expectations out of the water. Child of mine, it is time to stop limiting me in your thinking and in your expectations. It is time to stop setting goals based on your estimation of your own ability and resources. It is time to start seeing what it is that I want to do and and then set your expectations accordingly. I am the God of all power and might and can do all things. I am able to do far more than you can think, imagine, or dream. I am inviting, and I am inviting you to do amazing things with me. But at the same time, you must understand that I am not interested in the agenda of man. I have my own agenda, and it's very important to me. I am looking for those who are willing to set aside their own plans and goals in order to embrace mine, just as my son did when he walked on the earth. My kingdom is advancing forcefully on this earth, and it must continue to advance Yes, dear one, I'm looking for those who want to advance it with me. Are you one of these? It is my desire that my own dear children work with me to accomplish all of my purposes. I'm looking for those who will say to me, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. I'm going to empower those ones to advance my kingdom, and I'm going to change their thinking to better line up with mine. I'm going to show them what it means to walk in the supernatural and to accomplish the impossible. I'm going to teach them what it means to live in the realm of faith and to see mountains move. This is a season where I'm removing all limitations off of my people. I am opening their thinking to expect even greater things. This is a time and a season where I want to show my glory and my power and my great love to all men so that many who are lost might come to believe. I am looking for sons and daughters who are willing to embrace faith and to do this with me. I'm looking for those who are willing to learn to trust me, to know my voice, and to believe that I really mean the things that I've said. 
I'm looking for those who will stop being limited by the constraints of this world and who will start moving according to the constraints of my will. Dear one, learn to trust me. Then watch and see how I'll bring my glory into your life. What need do you have that I can't meet? What obstacle is before you that is too hard for me to overcome? There isn't any such thing. For I'm greater than all, and I can indeed do all things through my own great power and might. But despite all of my power, my might, and my great strength, there's still one that limits me. That thing is the faith and expectations of my own people. They think too small, and they limit what they are willing to allow me to accomplish through them. That must change, because I have great plans. It's time for my people to put off their things that hold them back. It is time for them to expand their tent pegs and embrace a larger vision. It is time for them to walk in faith. My people, I am able to exceed your expectations if you will learn to put your trust in me. God wants to blow our boxes much bigger. He wants to bless us beyond anything we've tasted. He is so good at giving great gifts. Do you remember the story of Peter and John headed to a prayer service when they come up and they're by the beautiful gate and there's a lame man there, a beggar, who had been carried there every day. And this beggar kind of looks at their feet and says, give us money or give us your alms or help me. And they look at him and Peter looks intently at him and he says, look at us. We don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And then he reaches down and he helps the guy up and and the guy starts dancing and leaping and praising God, if you know the song. He asked for money, a few bits, change, and he got healing and was able to walk, dance, leap for the first time in his life. That's our kind of God. He likes to go beyond to be bigger than what we can imagine. We try to fit him into our own understanding, and we squish him down small, and he says, <laughs> don't limit me. Check it out. We're going somewhere together. Buckle up. It's going to be a ride. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be scary. Let's have our time of communion. Caleb, would you come up and serve communion for us today? And whoever is helping Caleb with serving communion, come on up.
Can we turn it up even louder? It's it's party music. Okay, so that's our job, what the song was singing right there. Sound the church bells, let them ring. Where the bells running around? We've got to make some noise. And uh, I'm not a dancer kind of person. If you know me well, um, I'm, I'm a timid partier. 
that, so I'm confessing that in front of you. I really am. Um, I'll join the wave, but only after a thousand people do it first. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen an Indian movie, one of the, the movies out of Bollywood? They're, they're catching on in popularity. At the end of them, often, is a big dance party. And there's flowers, and there's rainbow colors, and there's waving around. We're not going to do that. Relax. Uh, but it's a beautiful picture of what, what I really think reveling and celebrating God's goodness is. And uh, we're headed towards Easter. And Easter is that celebration that all of God's promises came true. And that our Savior is reborn. And that shows us how we have new life. And, and man, let's grab hold of that new life and be like, Woo, this is crazy. It's like drinking from a fire hose, right? God's goodness hits you hard. You don't drink from a garden hose and lap it up. You get blasted in the face by God's goodness, and, and you can't take it all in, and it overflows your love bucket, right, girls? From Yeah, Corinthians teaches us that. So let's let God's goodness fill us and overflow us, and let's celebrate, and let's not be afraid to remember and admit the good things that God does and share those with people and share those with each other. You guys are awesome, man. We see God in you guys. Hopefully you see God in us. We can celebrate together as we come together. Amen. Hey, have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you at Easter. Come early and get some pancakes and goodness in the belly. We love you. Have a great, great Sunday afternoon. Celebrate a little bit.